What's up, everybody, and welcome back to After Dragons. This is the cooldown episode for New Comic Book Day, January 20th, 2021. We've got 15 books to talk about here today. I'm trying a little bit more of an organized format for the cooldown to take away some of the rambling, but I can't promise that I'll take it all away. Uh, so we're, we're basically just going to roll through my books and pulls for the week and see what I thought of the stories and kind of how the reading went um, on my side. Uh, I don't really have any news or, or updates or anything along those lines, but we've got some excellent things to catch up on, as well as the last week's future state entries that were a little bit late coming to my local shop as well. So I'm looking forward to diving through these. And we're getting started with Marvel. And the first book on the list that I'd like to talk about is going to be Cable number 7. This is by Jerry Dugan and Phil Noto. Uh, the A cover was excellent with a young Cable walking and holding a mutant baby he just saved. It's a kind of an homage to old Cable carrying hope. Um, just really welcome to see that kind of uh, similarity or that kind of connection between the characters as... I think I may not be the only one that's just really wanting old Cable back, but young Cable's growing on me so far. Uh, this is a great, uh, a great entry to the series here. Cable gets back to what he was doing before, um, saving uh, children, uh, saving mutant children here from different societies or you know humanities ways. Uh, so he's working actually with Rachel, Rachel Gray, and together they do locate. Um, this mansion where they have some mutant children um, that they're like adopting or uh, trying to, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but Cable breaks in and stops the whole process. Uh, there's some great action scenes where he uses his TK abilities to kind of, uh, or sorry, Rachel would use her TK abilities to basically hold on to these these mutant babies that all the villains have and cable just unloads their you know both pistols putting a shot in each of them so he's still a badass kind of guy and um when he gets the leader down monsignor he goes down and uses his uh his limited tk abilities there to kind of see inside his head and understand why he's there or kind of what's going on and he sees this page with strife kind of standing over the guy saying i need 10 of the brats get me five of them if you fail me, kill yourself. It'll be easier for you that way. And he's just lording over that dude. So you can see that whomever Cable and Rachel just took out was not the top of this chain. And um, he keeps it to himself, though, that Strife is involved, uh, which is definitely interesting. Um, I didn't... Uh, so I didn't quite know all of the background of Strife, but uh, Strife is like a future... An, another future self of of Nate Gray. So he's like a clone of Cable uh, or a future version of Cable that Apocalypse took and cloned um, to make Strife. And uh, I don't know, he's back in action now, so I'm looking forward to learning more about his his impact on Cable. And I'm probably going to do some reading to understand his impact on Cable's earlier stories as well. Um, uh, also, heads up, I don't really hold anything back in this episode. So if you're planning on reading books that came out January 20th, 2021, Read those books first, probably. Um, 
because uh, I may talk about a spoiler that you didn't want to hear. Um, because in the end of Cable 7, we see that he's actually going to Domino for help, saying, you know, can you help me out with this? Um, finding out uh, what Strife may be up to and digging into Apocalypse's um, doings maybe a little bit more as well. I'm definitely a fan of Apocalypse, so the more of, of his work we can get in there, the better. If it has to be through Strife, I guess I'll take it for now. But um, that was an excellent book, and I'm, I'm really digging that Cable series. Um, next up from Marvel is Black Cat number two by Jed McKay and C.F. Villa. This issue, uh, number two of this series, had just amazing covers this week. The A cover has the anti-venom Black Cat that's from Pepe Larraz and Marte Garcia. Uh, Garcia. Uh, the uh, the B cover is a uh, a Copil and Eris dying cover with Black Cat flipping through some lasers and grabbing a diamond. And the C was a Peach Momoko alien cover. So it was just a, uh, it was a black cat kind of week. And the issue itself was, um, was excellent. Uh, essentially breaking a space wizard or, uh, sorry, breaking a wizard out of space jail, uh, is how black cat puts it at one point. And we get, uh, some, some great scenes with the character as she's kind of preparing for this heist where they have to go and get Dr. Strange back from Null, uh, to kind of help with this whole situation as, um, things are effed right now with Null landing, but we get some really cool panels with, um, uh, black cat kind of, uh, carrying around bats, the uh, the ghost dog from Stranger's Mansion, um, on like a dog carrier, you know, a la Hangover. And then we also get her riding a um, uh, a glider, like a Green Goblin kind of glider, which is pretty sweet. Um, not to mention she meets with Dr. Steve, who hooks her up with these kind of rapid deployment anti-venom suits. That, uh, so, so she basically rides up with this glider all the way to this... Um, prison that they have Dr. Strange in at the top of the building and she jumps off the glider and you know clicks the rapid deployment anti-venom suit and just falls as as an anti-venom and just goes right through this prison that Strange was held in she uses the second suit and just like triggers it on Strange he's still kind of KO'd though um, but she takes him out either way and they have like an epic escape um, really good use of panels and actions here uh, and ultimately, though, that when they land, Strange is still way out of it and not really ready to help with anything. Um, he had some, he had a, an artifact with him or something that Black Cat grabs and is like, well, maybe I can try to do something with this. And um, she's like, where'd you say this thing came from? And uh, um, Bart, uh, Bats, the dog, is just like, oh, it's Asgard. And we see Black Cat transformed into this kind of Asgardian version of herself uh, with a staff. Um, very cool book with kind of different perspectives on Black Cat and her moving through the the heist the whole way through. Another successful one. There was a cool panel in there where she kind of lists all the people she's stolen from over the last volume. As this numbering was restarted with this volume, um, but it's kind of continuing the same creative team and the same vibes from Jed McKay. Um, and speaking of Jed McKay, um, the guy's got a sweet deal coming with Boom, who who acquired the rights for the Magic the Gathering, or uh, Magic the Gathering, and they'll be making comics based on that. So that series is going to be sweet. I'm looking forward to see what they do with the property, as they've done excellent things for Power Rangers and other series like that. I've been in and out of Magic the Gathering my entire life, as 
as many other gamers have been. I've never quite st- stuck in it that long or gotten really competitive, but um, it's definitely an excellent game, and I love the art in the lore. The trading card packs, actually, uh, I've used them for story prompts, so opening them up and making some stories off the random art cards there. Uh, it's always been pretty interesting. Let's go on to number three for the week of our cooldown, and that's going to be X-Force number 16 by Benjamin Percy and Joshua Casera. And this has Guru Effects on the colors, and Guru Effects has done some really great um, covers and other colors here for Marvel lately. Uh, This X-Force book uh, gets a little bit away from the intrigue and subterfuge that Beast was was cooking up here in the last few issues and a little more of some straightforward action there's a a deal with some undead and something's going on down in this trench beneath krakoa uh, where they realize that you know krakoa is kind of going on doing its own thing down here and may have done may have created something monstrous so wolverine kid omega and forge go down there there's some cool panels where forge is equip equipping everybody and gearing them up um Quite the badass with all of his uh, his gear and tech. They get to the bottom though, and um, Wolverine basically finds like a Leviathan or a Kraken or something down there. That it's just like, oh man, if they actually have to fight it, uh, they're gonna go back to the Resurrection Gardens, um, or to the to the Resurrection Protocols. And um, but before they can really handle that or think about handling it, Namor shows up. Um, Good old angry Namor. He sends them off with the threat and promises to handle it himself. Um, kind of uh, telling them that they would, uh, you know, if they if they come in into the ocean this way, then he'll uh, he'll eventually come and and topple the resort they live in, referring to Krakoa. So he's like always bitter about that. And next on the Marvel list, number four for the cooldown is going to be King in Black number three. King in Black. Uh, I actually pulled a variant cover that's a spoiler cover, and I'm going to end up looking for other spoiler covers for King of Black because King in Black because this turned out awesome. It's a Ken Lashley cover with uh, Noel. Uh, spoiler alert again here, right? Noel just stabbing Thor through the back, like the all black Necrosaur is coming out of his chest. There, it's a crazy cool cover here. This is written by Donny Cates and illustrated by. Ryan Stegman, uh, just a, a great event so far, one that I'm not reading the tie-ins on, but the the main story here has been, uh, has been phenomenal, with uh, Dylan, Eddie Brock's son, um, dealing with the repercussions of um, Eddie's death here in issue two, uh, he's kind of fueled by that vengeance and out to kick some ass with Spider-Man, Sue Richards, um... Uh, uh, and um, Wolverine is there as well. They find nullified Captain America, and Eddie takes him out, or Dylan does, I, and kind of at the all-is-lost moment there, Thor comes to save the day. Um, Thor is uh, definitely gets Null's attention as an, as an Asgardian. It's someone wielding the lightning and thunder that he does, and they have at it for a few pages of excellent art and action. Before um, Thor is just like, look, man, uh, I say when this ends, and 
and I've had enough. And he's just like, there's this half splash of him just bringing Mjolnir down on Noel, just smashing into his face and basically ripping his jaw off where Noel's kind of on the ground, like reaching for his jaw and, and reaching for all black, the necro sword. Um, there's an inopportune advertisement right for X-Men legends right before that. But in the next page with that page turn, where Noel's grabbing Necro, the All Black is basically right from the cover with him stabbing Thor through the chest, and it is just like brutal because the the all of the the team is such a low right now with so many folks nullified. They kind of got Cap back. They kind of have Doctor Strange back, except he's unconscious. But uh, man, they're in a rough spot. And then they lose Thor now too. Um, uh, to help a little bit though. When Eddie helped kind of separate this symbiote that Iron Man had captured, um, or actually one of the dragons that Iron Man had captured that Noel brought, um, it actually split that off from Noel's consciousness so that Iron Man could start to control it better. And he turned it into like a big sentinel to kind of fight, um, fight this nullified sentinel that used to be the Avengers headquarters. Uh, really crazy stuff going on, right? Um, and... At the very end of that, with this big battle going down, we get Silver Surfer Black. Um, I don't know if he's called Silver Surfer Black, but it's the it's that new version of him, right? He's like all black and murdered out. Um, but he arrives in the last page, and it's just like, oh, man. I want number four so fast. That's a... Uh, uh, it was such a good book, and I don't mind the teaser variants at all I might or the spoiler variants I might actually look for those in some other books if they if they come up King of Black is actually getting a second printing um, here soon coming around so if you don't have King of Black or you missed on that or you'd like to keep collecting go ahead and grab the second print there's something to be said for second prints having value due to lower print runs at times but uh, you know I haven't Again, that's a, uh, a speculator code that I'm not I'm not trying to crack. It's not my game. I'm only here for the stories and the and the capes, right? And just the just the comics. And uh, the next one on the list is Avengers number 41. Um, this continues the Phoenix Forces tournament esque rundown through all of the Avengers, making them fight each other. She's taken them all into the, what's called the White Hot Room. And that's like this infinity space actually within the Phoenix, this kind of white nothingness. And she pops like two at a time out to like random places to fight and empowers them with the Phoenix Force. Uh, I mean, some some cool matchups here with Luke Cage and She-Hulk or uh, Black Panther and uh, Man-Thing. Uh, pretty cool uh, f- matches there. The one that was standout was Howard the Duck imbued with the phoenix force uh it was excellent the panel is too too good i'm flipping to it here now um but basically the whole book is kind of just like every page is like a different dude battling someone else or like a different set of folks but um it's the red widow versus phoenix versus the phoenix howard howard the duck it's so it's so great uh red widow is just like this is some form of humor, perhaps, as she's just realizing that she has to fight Howard. And he's like, nah, toots, this is a reckoning. A long time coming is what it is. None of you hairless apes are going to be laughing at old Howard the Duck now. This will be even bigger than that time I ran for president. And then Red Widow just like smacks him in the head with her 
with her staff and you just see this uh the next panel is like a shadow of her just like ramming the blade into howard just like killing him in one blow basically so it was short-lived but awesome and i honestly cannot wait for whiz kids to hero clicks that character i mean phoenix howard is so awesome he's got the phoenix uh clasps on his on his duck feet and he has a phoenix tie oh man he's he is great this issue is worth picking up just for phoenix howard um other than that it's maybe not worth picking up because it's just that kind of like a a gauntlet tournament I mean, I want to see who wins, obviously, and get to the bottom, so we need to get through this, but I'm gamed out because of Ten of Swords last year, uh, so I'm ready for Jason Aaron to tell us who the victor is so we can see what's going on with the Phoenix Force. I am getting a Dustin Weaver connecting variant for 41, 2, and 3. That is pretty cool. Um, very fiery with all the Phoenix, uh, Phoenix characters. Unfortunately, I don't know if there's a Howard the Duck Phoenix character or a cover. Uh, but there should be. We can only hope. Maybe there's a web store exclusive hiding out somewhere there. I think this is our last Marvel book, and it is it is a good one for for the last bit, and that is Maestro War and Pax. I found out that Pax means post-apocalyptic existence, and this is written by Peter David and has art by Javier Pina. And uh, this book is really... Uh, just the same pace as Maestro Volume 1, uh, where Hulk comes back, he wakes up and just kind of realizes Hercules is Maestro, and he takes care of that. So now he now we're up in Volume 2, and he's just now turning to the surrounding areas, which is kind of in the U.S. here, um, kind of in the Northeast, actually. And he's conquering. He's doing what Maestro does and making sure everybody bows to Maestro and the idea of this packs uh post-apocalyptic existence uh where it's just like he's the he's the ultimate leader there's these crazy villainous scenes of um him telling the telling his um uh, his aides how he wants to kind of control the dreams and uh there's a scene where he goes to these resistance guys who like kind of immediately open fire on him they're like kill him kill him and like screaming and it shows maestro just like smiling getting peppered with bullets and he's like no 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 when you scream like that, you sound hysterical, like you're scared. No one takes that seriously. It doesn't sound threatening enough. You have to give the order simply, quietly, to underscore that your enemy's lives don't matter, like this. And then the next panel is a very narrow one, just on his lips, and kill them. And, and then there's about a half splash with these robot dogs just launching over Maestro to finish off the resistance. It's a, it's a cool page, and he's a... He's a badass tyrant of these times. Definitely moving towards Future Imperfect, getting a little bit closer. Um, he does go after the survivors that we met in Volume 1 in DC to kind of get the rest of their gear and things. But they all manage to escape and, and trigger a, a bomb or a trap maestro there. He survives, of course, to rue the day and figure out what to do next. But not while uh, opposition is forming um, or... Uh, while opposition is forming, I should say, because the Pantheon and Doctor Doom are meeting to, I think, see what can be done about this threat. Because Maestro is only knocking down his his neighboring territories right now, but it's obvious that it won't be long before he's going to be trying to rule much more um, with his voracious appetite there. 
that finishes up for Marvel. Uh, we, we've got two Aftershock books. The first is I Breathe the Body by Zach Thompson and Andy McDonald. Um, and this was a uh, an excellent book based uh, that started with this kind of intricate or detailed look at social media and control and deception within society and how um, you know how people are like catering to capital needs I mean just some like some classic uh, philosophic points I think about society um, some some good points of poignant uh, statements about communicating and how just p- folks are posturing to kind of fulfill the act of communicating and it's all told through this lens of a um, of a social media kind of icon, this guy named Milo, and he's just like, you know, the top of the ladder YouTube star, used everywhere for advertisements and all that kind of thing. He was born, though, like with this weird medallion that his mother gave him, and he doesn't have a belly button because of some kind of uh, disorder that happens when you're born. So he's kind of got some history there. And we also see in the beginning of the book, there's like this cult doing something to the baby and we learn that that's milo um it's a a a really crazy look at uh i think the the icons and kind of how they're live streaming their life but but still underneath the control and the censors of all of these other agents i mean there's even people hired to just kind of uh edit and make sure to monitor the stream even though it's this guy's life that he's streaming but um they get him all riled up at a family dinner, and he he does a live stream where he's just basically pulling this medallion out, and he's like, "Yeah, my mother gave me this, uh, and uh, you know, I was born without a belly button because of this disease or this disorder, but now I feel nothing." Uh, and he's just like, "There's this narrow panels, these four narrow panels." Says, "I am a god," and he's his skin like, I think it's it gets like twisted and pulled away. Or something from his face like it's crazy horror comic horror and he jumps out the window and like smashes on the ground dead and at the end is just a to be continued with a uh, like this mushroom kind of honeycomb fungus thing growing saying I have no lips but I must speak and it's like oh man this is like some horror dude like it's set it up with the with the kind of the intricate wordy approach of um balancing society's kind of wants and and their uh, performers i think looking for looking for people as well uh and then having that horror note at the end was really crazy there's a another um good uh, kind of moment or page turn showing a a chef selecting cuts of meat and preparing a um like a pork loin or a yeah, bacon wrapped pork tenderloin, and it, and on the first page you see just kind of that raw, you know, uh, butchery of the of meat preparation. I think, and and the second page you see that fine dinner having been made, and it, again it's a kind of a it's a mirror to what's being talked about here within the book, where we look at or where it's discussing how some social media or some live streaming is being done, but then it's being like fixed up right it's not just the butchered meat or just the reality of that food it's all cooked and prepared and bacon wrapped and you know served with italian prosciutto and tomatoes and stuff uh so it's a 
just a really cool book. I've got I've got two and three on the list. Aftershock is is doing awesome things lately, and uh, I really can't wait to see where this come where this really leads. Uh, as there's so many questions I have about the book. Zach Thompson is a creator that I'm looking at getting on the show here soon, so that'll be a great conversation, and look forward to those creator interviews happening more. I've got one more from Aftershock, and it was another excellent, excellent entry. We Live by the Miranda Brothers and Eva De La Cruz with... um, yeah, Eva De La Cruz is doing the colors, and the color and the art is just vivid. Her um, her colors pop and glow on certain panels where they are more uh, subdued for a page or two, and then like bursts of energy or some elements will happen, and they've got some really, really vibrant uh, panes. We see a little bit of what may be Tala and Hototo's family, their parents, Um which is which is definitely interesting, uh, and I don't we don't get a connection though to know for sure that they're their parents. At least I don't think so. I also think they take Molly or LSD or something on that on that opening page, but then we we get right back into the action where the Acceptists have basically killed all these kids who were selected to be uh, base, uh, removed from the planet. Kind of humanity has destroyed Earth through their wanton use of everything. And because of that, they're restarting. And they've selected just a few kids to take to that. And one of those kids is Hitoto. Um, the acceptists that they had run into last issue were just k- killing these kids to basically pull the, the selection device off their wrist. Um, so they're dealing with that right now. And um, Humbo who's been helping them, Humbo and this like gorilla with butterfly wings named Alice. He's he's remote controlling a, a mech suit or like a, a mobile suit and and kicking some ass, fighting them all down. But they eventually overwhelm him and uh, it's just enough kind of for them to break away though and jump on this train where they're because they're trying to get to a drop-off point. Um, on the train though, uh, Humbo and Alice get separated from Hototo and Tala and they get separated in like a train car full of these uh, acceptists, all wielding like automatic rifles. There's a crazy page with Alice, that, this like multi-eyed gorilla, just swiping the face off of one of the dudes. It's a really, it's a crazy book, man. It's just, it's contrasted with this kind of childlike wonder and, and color, but then with this kind of brutality and like the savage reality of the world they're living in. I highly recommend checking that out. Um, and at the tail end of it, you know, Hitoto and Tala get to basically Mother Nine, where where this this extraction point is, you know, and they're and they're taking Hitoto, and you know he's crying like Tala, and he's like, and Hitoto's just like, um, you know, crying for her, and Tala's like, hey, let me talk with him or stay longer. It's a it's a brutal scene after seeing these last four issues, having their kind of brother-sister bond building up and seeing how much she's taking care of him and like protecting him from these kind of cruel realities. Uh, it, it is a, it's interesting. Um, but the, the rebels or kind of some folks um, against this kind of movement maybe attack though, like just at the right time and save, um, save Tala, but a, like something happens and like this like thunderstorm just like rips across the sky and all of this like 
trees start growing out of the ground and a bus drives away with uh with tala but they already took her they already took her toto her little brother and we see that extinction day is coming like there's all these multi-eyed creatures these like lion things from their first and second issue these flying dudes like they're all just screeching and clawing towards the city uh as the earth is turning against humanity and the two are separated man it's um it's quite a cliffhanger i mean i I really need to see really really need to see number five so i've Get that on pre-order if you're following along or catch up with the trade or something like that if you're if you're coming a little bit late to the game. Number four was awesome. All all four of them have just been fantastic. Excellent Aftershock titles this week. And it's really a publisher that's uh, standing out more and more. I've got one book this week from Image, and that is The Scumbag from Rick Remeter with um, with Boski. Bosky, Roland, uh, Roland Bosky on the art, and it is, uh, man, it's just fantastic. It's so funny. Uh, Ernie is such a good character to be the hero, as as the antihero cocaine addict he is. He's just eating some bologna and having like a Michelob light in a flying Trans Am with these nose straws connected to bottles of cocaine, <laughs> smoking a joint. Uh, he's just hilarious. He, um, there's a there's a few really poignant moments where, uh, <laughs> like the the characters are trying to get to know him and he's answering their questions. It's just uh, Remder has made a a great character. Basically, he thought he was shooting up with some heroin in the streets, and he ended up shooting up with a like this serum giving him superpowers and abilities. So he's working with this agency now that's just kind of ride with it because he's the he's the best hope they have uh he's undercover for a little while as like an oil salesman and they show up to this kind of eyes wide shut like crazy sex party where he's just like (laughs) enthralled thoroughly (laughs) to say the least and he's just trying to get through there and and figure out what to do having some trouble with the folks he ends up throwing his like case of substances that he's won over from the agency recently to get everyone's attention, but uh, doesn't have enough time to stick around there. It's it's some just hilarious lines about uh, about his substances and kind of his his uh, ambitions here. One of the quotes like, "Let my drugs buy inclusion," <laughs> and later he's like, you know, he's narr or negotiating with this guy or just essentially hearing him out and uh he's like you know if you don't mind i'll be returning to the you know the party where my drugs have likely fueled an increase in creativity and freedom (laughs) it's so funny um but he's just a rude and crude kind of character and this is that taking like a, a kind of superhero trope or a comic and poking all kinds of fun at it making some really com um like modern references and things like that uh, but basically ernie's a bastard to true liberty and uh as expected he he's going to take an offer of more money and a, a mansion and stuff to kind of act as a double agent uh there's still some other things going on on the bright side of the moon with some kind of like yoga cults or like yoga characters that i don't i'm not quite following yet 
but uh, I need to reread that and see. The scumbag has been fantastic. It's on my list to get as a trade, um, so I don't need to keep opening the issues as it's something I, I'll probably reread. It's a it's a good one. One of my cover considerations for the week is from a publisher I haven't read, and that's A Blaze. And that was Gung Ho Sexy Beast by Von Kumant and and Von Eckertsberg. Um, a uh, an interesting book here about a kind of post-apocalyptic society where, like, a, as a as a rite of passage kind of thing, they send the kids out to protect these settlements from crushers or these creatures out in the woods, and they arm them up with like AKs and guns and weapons to defend themselves, and they just live out there and kind of fight the the threat if anything happens. Uh, yeah. There was a volume one of this that goes into things a little more, I think, so I may be a little in the dark about the lore or some of the other references, but um, the kids are all kind of swimming and such when these crushers attack, and uh, the lady on the cover with the AK just cleans them up, kills like three or four of them, but because the crushers are getting closer and closer to Fort Apache here, they uh, issue like a, basically like a, a lockdown, you know, they can't leave now without an adult. Um, and we also learned that there was a supply chain that like, or a supply train that tipped and there's going to be some supply issues here in the near future for this, for this settlement. Um, it's a, it's an interesting book, um, with some, some wild things going on as, as kids will be kids, um, in the summer. So there's a good deal of that kind of chaos as well. The covers for this whole series are, are, are awesome. I mean, I selected this A and then... Uh, I think this is just the A. And then next week, or next month, I should say, Gung Ho Sexy Beast number two has a, there's a great B cover with the, one of the characters just standing there facing down a, a big crusher. Um, issue three of this already has a variant with a, a crusher like fighting the main two kids. I think their names are um, Zach and... I forgot the other guy, but they're both fighting the uh, the crusher there. So it's been a cool one to collect, I think, for the covers and also to dip my toe into the Ablaze publisher. I really like to try out these um, these different publishers. It's been uh, it's been cool to see what everyone's creating. All the remaining books we have to talk about are going to be DC based, as I've got some future state both from this week and finally from last week to discuss. And the first on the list is Superman Wonder Woman. Uh, this is a team up with Yara Flora and John Kent. Um, basically, uh, this this big creature called Solaris, whom I don't know if is in past Superman stories, um, is a t- coming to Earth, and he's like heating up the whole planet. There's a dual sun in the sky, and one of them is him. He's heating up the planet, and his red light is hurting Superman. Um, Yara Flor is telling the kind of folklore story of the sun and the moon gods and the sun goes up there to kind of negotiate or tr- to try not to be beat but Solaris ends up absorbing the power there so there's some uh, some some interesting stuff going on here where I think that eventually we're going to see that Yara Flor and John Kent riding these these steeds that represent the sun and the moon uh, and they, they kind of get into a little bit of a spat about um, there being like folklore and stories like that. Uh, so it's cool to see their characters evolving and growing as well, being a little bit competitive, I think. 
but the panels with Solaris are just very, very cool. He looks kind of like the Pokemon of a similar name, Solrock. Uh, and he's just kind of floating in, in the sky. He absorbed the power of 300 suns um, to, to be what he is now. So he's a, he's a, a world killer or a system ender kind of guy. I grabbed a B cover of this. That's um, a, a really great cardstock variant um, with both Yara Floor and John Kent. And this was by Dan Waters, who is also the writer of um, The Portrait of Everything Else. The uh, Vault, um, is it Vault behind Portrait of Everything Else comic? Uh, and that is that is what was a great setup in the issue one. Where basically the artist who made the Portrait of Dorian Gray um, has created this... Uh, or is also creating portraits of other people. And what he does to the portraits happens to the people, like in a very voodoo doll way. It's called The Picture of Everything Else. Um, and that's where I first read Dan Waters, so it's cool to see him writing some DC some DC things for us as well and, uh, and adding to that. The next book on the list is DC's Looney Tunes, number 258. Yeah. Uh, and just a straight nostalgia buy slash cover buy. I'm going to start pulling Looney Tunes here as it comes out. I, I got into it at 257, I think, is the first one. And that has an awesome Bugs kind of crossing the river as George Washington um, with Porky Pig. Uh, this 258 is a Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote um, out in space. Pretty cool. There's a little skit in there or a little scene with them and a Marvin Martian appearance. And then we've got a Sylvester and Tweety scene as well. The way this comic works, it's a, it's a $2.99 book cover price. So it's, it's pretty light and it's definitely aimed for kids as there's just some light stories. But the nostalgia factor is really, really high. The art is excellent. It kind of reminds me of just laying in the basement as a kid watching Looney Tune marathons, that kind of thing. So I'm gonna keep pulling these. I think there's actually a Marvin Martian cover coming around the corner with 259 or 260. Uh, and I, I think the artists and the kind of the creative team is even rotating for that. It's not really a single run or anything. So just if you're interested in trying one or if you if you also get the nostalgia feels when it comes to Looney Tunes, uh, those covers are always available. I know there's also like Scooby-Doo and some other kind of cartoons like that that have been um, comic'd, uh, comic booked as it were. This next book is another Momoko cover. I think it's my favorite Momoko cover yet. And that is Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number one. It's also Jin Bartel's first interior art. Uh, it's written by Becky Cloonan. Uh, it, was, it was a great look at Wonder Woman kind of stepping into this new role of kind of immortality and maybe being the last one alive of all the Justice League. She gets the um, Batman's utility belt in one scene. It's kind of touching there and... Um, she kind of wants to take him with her, and she does need the help with the utility belt as well. Uh, we see Apocalypse just kind of letting this this dark threat consume the planet of Apocalypse and take his children. Um, he's just like, you know, the the name Apocalypse doesn't mean, you know, it wasn't supposed to last forever. He's just like, I'm going to go to Earth now and wreak some havoc. I'll rule there because my planet got destroyed. So Apocalypse was destroyed, and he's coming to Earth. But the Amazons of Thymoseria, hope I pronounced that right of which there are many, some new, uh, some new faces whom I don't quite know all the names of. 
uh, are ready, right? They're waiting. And there's some really cool pages of Wonder Woman versus Darkseid. Um, Darkseid's one of my favorite characters in the, in the DC villain lineup. So I was happy to see a focus on him in this book as Wonder Woman's fighting with a golden lasso and Darkseid's just you know, using trying to use brute strength against it. And eventually he does use that Omega beam against some of them and like vaporizes, uh, vaporizes like a big selection of the Thymoserians, just turning them to skulls. And, uh, it goes to a, to be continued where, uh, Wonder Woman who have, who has already received, this is like future Wonder Woman, right? From the JLU set of hero clicks where she has a gray streak of hair, but she's already received, I think the Green Lantern ring, the detect the Batman utility belt, and then she's getting something else from Swamp Thing, who's like this old gnarled tree, and it's so far in the future or something that he's actually dying or on his last legs, and he leaves that he leaves something for her as well. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens in the rest of this story. I'm a little bit new to the Wonder Woman lore and the wheelhouse there. But uh, I, uh, I'm enjoying it so far as we're learning more. This had a backup story where we met uh, Nubia, who is a, another Wonder Woman uh, and another Amazon. Um, and this was her first, her first appearance. So that was very cool to see. Um, I, I think the art, the art team was, exact, was the same for that lineup. Uh, but they're going to do a number two of that as well. Oh, actually, it was L.L. McKinney was the writer and Aletha Martinez the penciler. Uh, so very cool just to see the world of Wonder Woman expanding and uh, the character lineup always growing. That was Future State, Immortal Wonder Woman. The B cover was the Momoko cover. This next one is an awesome entry and continues to be my favorite DC ongoing book besides Batman Superman, and that is Legion of Superheroes number 12. Um, Brian Michael Bendis, Ryan Sook... Uh, some alternating artists though at times that are not it's kind of jarring or it's a little bit weird to do the alternate art but I'm getting used to it this is a great issue where Rogel Czar is is back apparently he's a character who had originally started the Legion of Superheroes um, or it was because of him that the planets united and decided that they needed a Legion they got one representative and kind of made their whole thing uh, but he's back now, like a thousand years later. He's been awakened by Mordru. Um, we learn that one of the members of the Legion of Superheroes is actually Mordru's daughter, the White Witch. And there's a whole lot of chaos going on and some awesome fight scenes with the whole Legion against Rogel Czar. Um, and Mordru appears and it's just like, it's giving a lot of different characters time to shine. We see some bouncing boy panels and some it's just some good stuff all around. As well as this kind of like, trio combination of dream girl saturn girl and white witch um and they i think they bring back they like bring back or distract mordru enough that dr fate comes um this is like a six-armed crazy dr fate and um he's summoned back and banishes mordru um to somewhere um i'm not i'm not quite certain where but um, uh, banishes him from this place and basically he's like, you can never return. And Rogel Czar is, is still there, but um, the Gold Lantern guy is like 
blasts him with all his power into like another place like I think he actually helps with that banishment like he like Dr. Fate opens the portal and then that gold lantern like blasts them into it this nothingness space of like banishment and we learn at the end that uh, uh, Brainiac is meeting with with um, the gold lantern and he's like dude um, I'm gonna cover your ring for a little while with this like sensors and tell you this because I don't know if they're listening he's like that's not a green lantern ring and those who, who gave it to you are not the elders of Oa like what that's the cliffhanger it's crazy so he is maybe not a green lantern or he's like something else or some other kind of power um the b cover that i got of this um of this of this issue has gold lantern like on the cover of it too he's been a cool lantern i don't know the green lantern story uh amateur comic book reader here especially with dc but gold lantern's been really cool i'm and i'm happy to have got his first appearance in the legion run right now and to keep reading some some of his stories the last one for DC and the last one for us on the list is Justice League number one, the future state version here. And this is by Joshua Williamson. And there's a backup in, in the story by, uh, or I should say that the art is by Ro Robson Roca. And there's a backup Justice League Dark by Ram V. We get some really cool panels in this Justice League. I liked it a whole lot. It kind of goes into the future and says like okay this justice league has already been established we're we're thrown right into the middle of it and there's a panel where they fight this star they fight starro dark side very cool to see those <laughs> those combined and and to kind of see the downfall of maybe dark side in one in one timeline where starro takes over we're introduced early in the book to the new legion of doom Despero's daughter, Despera, is in there. Amaze X, Cobalt Blue, The Screech Owl, The Flood, Ultraviolet Lantern. I want hero clicks of Despera, man. She looks awesome. But right when I was getting all hyped for the new Legion of Doom, I flipped the page and all the Legion of Doom have been murdered. They're dead. Uh, the Justice League is there investigating. This is the new Justice League, right? With Yara Floor, John Kent, um, uh, the, the new Flash, um, Joe or Sojourner, the Green Lantern, and then there's a new Aqua Woman as well. Uh, as a, I think it's actually I don't know who the Batman is in this in this Justice League. If it's Tim, is it Tim Drake, um, the new Batman or the next Batman? Um, but in this version of Justice League, they don't tell each other their names and things like that. They're like all secretive. Uh, which has kind of been hard, I think, on John, who remembers a little bit of the, what the old Justice League was like. Um, there's an awesome panel. Yara Floor uh, wins me over as she brings hot dogs for John. It's just like, hey, man, have some hot dogs and chill. Hey, who could who could argue with that? Um, so the they have some hot dogs, and she kind of gives him a speech, tells him this whole, you know, remember, Superman, your father was the man of tomorrow, but you, you've got to be the man of today, which I think was... Um, so oh, some words of wisdom for sure but and before too long we see various kind of confusing panels of the justice league fighting each other like going after um going after different um groups of them so you see like wonder woman and superman coming and fighting flash and aqua woman you see an um another superman coming and fighting green lantern and it's just like a little bit confusing and you see that 
um, they subdue the whole Justice League and that the group called the Hyper Clan, whom I don't know if they are new or if they've been referenced before, but the Hyper Clan were disguised as the Justice League and they went and just subdued the original Justice League and we were left with the to be continued. Um, very cool book. I can't wait for Justice League number two. I missed out on the B cover, the Kale New variant. I had it ordered. I just need to track it down still or it may have been lost in the shops. But I've got the A and B coming of number two as well as Kale New is doing a lineup there. Rom V's backup in this book for Justice League Dark was pretty good with Bobo, the monkey, kind of controlling Etrigan, the demon. Um, Zatanna's in there and um, some other elements as well as Ragman. They're kind of on this quest against Merlin. Uh, it's an interesting story. I'm, I wonder how much it ties in with the other Justice League Dark. I haven't read Ram V's, um, Ram V's work there. Uh, at the end, the most the the best part for me, I think, was seeing that um, uh, they reveal this like deception that's been laid over this guy who's just been living in the streets, and they find that it's Doctor Fate. But um, I don't think it's the same Doctor Fate as who appeared in Legion of Superheroes 12. This is Khalid, the Doctor Fate from 2015's Doctor Fate run. One of the only uh, books I, I still have here from my first foray and more serious collecting in 2015. Uh, so that's cool to see him show up. And I don't, I'm just looking forward to see what, what goes down with Justice League and um, kind of with the rest of the future state. Uh, we're seeing now that many of the books are not like going to be affected by future state, you know, like we don't have a Yara floor ongoing or um, some of these new characters aren't, aren't going to exist in the, in the ongoing arena. You know, we're, we're seeing Joker number one, Robin number one, I think crime syndicate number one is coming up for DC. It's, it's a, it's an interesting time for DC and a, a kind of a cool event with future state. It may leave me wanting more. Um, but we'll see how the other books wrap up. Still need to check out Legion of Superheroes uh, as well as the House of L. Um, that Robin Eternal cover looks so good, but uh, not pulling that one. And uh, may, may need to read the rest of these in trade or kind of in collection when they've all been compiled. And with that, guys, I think that wraps it up for the... For the cool down for January 20th, 2021, you can find more things, uh, comics and game related. We've got some Hero Clicks unboxing, some comic reviews, and all the podcasts on AfterDragons.com. You can find me on Twitter at AfterDragons underscore. And happy reading for the week. Thank you.